We're continuing to look here in Genesis chapter 1. And if you've got a Bible, you're welcome to join us and, and follow along there. If you don't have a Bible, I think we still have a few over on the side. Um, you're welcome to take one of those and use it or, um, and also keep it for yourself. Uh, we, I, I, I would love for you to, to just get lost in this book. <laughs> There's so much here. There's so much life and value and truth that you can find in this book. And, and if you don't have a Bible, you need one. So we've been going through the, the first week of, of creation, of what God has, has made, and, and looking at each one of the, the, the things that God spoke out as He created. Out of the power of His Word, um, through, the, through the work of His Son, through the empowering of the Spirit, all these things have been made. And we come now to the... Uh, verse 14, this is the fourth day. Let's read this passage together, Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Uh, now this... Uh, the, the Hebrew word that is used for lights here, that, that God spoke to, to be in the expanse of the heavens, it's different from, from the Hebrew word that was used earlier in Genesis chapter 1 when God said, let there be light. Uh, the Hebrew word there is different than this word that is being used. That, that first, let there be light, was the feminine singular noun of of light and, 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 and it's referring to that electromagnetic spectrum that we see, the radiation that we get from little lights out here and all that kind of stuff. He was speaking that into existence, light. Here in verse 14 and following, the Hebrew word is different. It is a masculine verb. It's a, it's a plural verb, a plural noun, and it is referring to the source of lights. So it's, it's not referring to light itself. It's, it's referring to those things that give off light. Um, and and it's, it, it's interesting here that, that he uh, is, is giving over the responsibility of separating the light from the darkness to these lights now, these sources of light. Up to this point, Light has just existed and there was a separation between 
light and darkness. There was a separation between day and night, but there was no description of where the source of that light was. It just was, and it allowed the earth to be able to experience over those first three days, lightness and darkness, day and night, morning, evening, and each one of the days. But now he's giving that same responsibility over to these lights. We see that in in, uh, verse 18. Verse 17, And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and the night, to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. So, uh, So, That light that was initially there is still continuing to exist. It's being emanated now from these lights that God placed in the heavens. And their role is to separate the night from the the day, the light from the darkness. Now there are some that read this passage and they, uh, they say, well, obviously the Bible doesn't know truth because even though it might seem like we know that that the moon actually is is not a a light that's brighter than the rest of the stars in fact even our sun that we have that shines on us is not brighter than some of the stars that are at far expanses and so for it to say that 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 these are the greater and the lesser lights that they are ruling over the day and the night shows the the, the ignorance of the biblical authors. Well, yeah, that's not what is actually being... It's all talking about the frame of reference from here on earth. Even though, yes, there are stars that are brighter than our sun, and even though the moon itself doesn't emanate light on its own, but rather it reflects light from the sun... Uh, the whole purpose of what he's speaking about, God is speaking from the perspective of earth, of what we see here on earth. And yes, indeed, we all agree that the sun is brighter than all the rest of the stars as far as it's concerned, coming to here, the light that is being sent here to earth. And also that even the moon, though it doesn't emanate its own light, it's only a reflected light, still it is greater than the, all of the stars that are at such great distance that they don't uh, reach the light doesn't reach us as brightly as the sun. And, and, and that, that word that's being used here, that, that they are to rule over the night and over the day, is different than, what, than the word that we're going to see later on coming up when God creates humanity and gives Him rule over all of the living creatures, all of creation. Uh, this rule is not a royal rule. It's not an authoritative rule. What is being described here, it, it, it's, it's a word that's used to call, to, to speak about that which is dominant. Not necessarily in an authoritarian or, or a hierarchical kind of a, a position, but rather uh, an object that domineers, that is dominant in its Area. There are some kings that are referred to as this kind of domineering, this kind of rule, but it's because it's a rule that is oppressive, that overcomes all others, that dominates the whole scene. Um, but it's not a royal rule. And so uh, this isn't that, that somehow that the sun and the moon have, have a, a position of authority that we are in submission to. It is that they dominate 
the sky. They, they dominate as far as uh, light that comes to the earth. And, um, and so that is being, uh, that's what's being described here. And, and, and we know that there are lots of different religions that, 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 that position the sun and the moon in positions of authority, of rule, and, and where they actually are worshiping. They, they identify those as, as certain gods and things like that. And so uh, we don't want to read into this passage some of those pagan ideas that, that, uh, that have infiltrated into some of the other world religions. That's not what God is saying here. He is saying that they are domineering in that position, that they are the greatest source of light um, and, and the, the significant uh, source of, of that electromagnetic radiation that comes to the earth. And then he goes on to talk about what is the purpose of the sun, moon, and the stars. In verse 14 it says that, uh, that, that, that they are there to separate day from night. And then also as we read verse 18, separating light from the darkness. Um, they serve as lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth. Um, so, uh, so all of that role that, that is quite obvious of, of how we get light here in this world, how we get the energy that's required for, uh, for plants to be able to grow, the energies for other living things to be able to have life, to be able to, to survive, to thrive, and all of that. That's the role of these lights uh, that God has, has put in the expanse in the heavens for us. So that's part of their purpose, um, to be able to sustain those, that vegetation that, was, uh, that God created on the third day. He now provides the light in order to sustain them, to provide their energy so that they can grow and they can thrive. Uh, but that's not the only purpose. He also says uh, that... Uh, that they are to um, that they are for uh, uh, days and years. They're they're a means for us to be able to mark time. Um, uh, that we know that it's daytime because the sun uh, continues its path over over the earth, and and as the sun comes and goes, we know that there are day, uh, that that. Uh, uh, that a day has passed. We know that, that a year has passed when we have made a significant orbit all the way around the sun and, and, and we've gone through all of those different seasons, all those different days. Um, there is a direct correlation for us as humanity to be able to know how time is marked because of the, um, uh, the lights that God has placed in the expanse for us. Uh, the Hebrews had a lunar calendar, so even their months were based on the movements of the moon. All of this comes from Scripture. Um, the, this is the purpose for why God had placed these lights into, um, into the heavens for us. And, and in some way, they are there so that, that we have... that we have a, a recognition of the consistency and order of what God has created. 
you read some of the writings of some of those early scientists, of, of Johannes Kepler, of Copernicus, of, of Aristotle, of uh, Isaac Newton, others like that, not Aristotle, um, but others like that, that, that speak about their investigation into the heavens in order to be able to better understand God. The reason that, that Western civilization was able to develop the scientific method, the, the emphasis on science and our ability to be able to look and understand this universe is because God, there was a, there was a, a fundamental belief through the Christian faith and through the, 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 the Jewish scriptures that God had built order, that, he had create, that what he had created was meant for us to be able to understand, to investigate, to explore, so that we would know him. So we would see him through the things that he has made. And so that's part of what the, the, um, the role of the stars and, 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 and the heavenly bodies, the planets and other things, help us understand the world that we live in. So we look at uh, a Greek philosopher, Ptolemy, who, who prior to Christianity... Who looked at the universe and 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 saw the movements of of the stars and saw the the movements of the planets and things like that and he he tried to create an understanding with the earth at the center of all of this and and all of these other things circling around and he went to great detail and and uh, unimaginable kinds of calculations to 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 create these different circles because you could see that there were different movements but there were patterns that were the same and and he couldn't quite understand those patterns and and tried to figure all of that out and 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 created a model that helped us to be able to predict where planets, where stars and things would be. But there was no explanation for why they were there like that. And it wasn't until Johannes Kepler and, and others like him who then, because of their faith in God, because of their trust in God, that God created a universe that could be understood, that could be explained, we're able to then understand and looking at the movements of the stars and things to recognize that we that earth wasn't at the center of the solar system rather we had the sun was at the center and planets were were orbiting around that and the stars that were going around were were movements from the earth doing its rotations rather than the great dome that is over the earth was was rotating and that's where those stars were were moving and it was all because of his understanding and his belief that god had created the universe in order in an orderly way so that, that we could understand, so that we could investigate, so that not only could we know what the world was, how it was working, but we could know the Creator through whom it was all made. So that's also part of the purpose of uh, these lights that God placed in the heavens. It also says, verse 14, let them be for signs and for seasons. Let me talk about seasons first. It's, it's actually probably not a great translation, seasons. 
Um, because it's not speaking about the way that we understand seasons normally. The, the movement of, of, our, of our year through fall and winter and spring and summer. It's not those kinds of seasons that are being referred to here. In Hebrew, the, the, those, those kinds of movements of seasons are described differently and, and, as, as described as like the time of planting, the time of harvest. Um, uh, that's the way that the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, talk about seasons. This seasons uh, is, is probably better translated uh, the appointed times. Whenever this word is used, it's always talking about the, the feasts and the festivals that God had appointed for the Hebrew uh, people to be uh, uh, worshiping God, to be re- remembering those things that God had done in their past. Uh, it was also to, to talk about the, the seasons of, of, uh, of different kings, of different uh, rule of, of, the, of the priests, the high priests, those kinds of things. It wasn't the, the, the annual movement, but rather it was referring to the appropriate times for things. See, God put, put the, the sun and the stars and the moons and the planets into the expanse to help describe those kinds of appointed seasons, that there is a plan and a purpose for all things. And that we can understand when we, when we see the things that He has created, we can understand that He has a plan and a purpose and He is moving things along in, in perfect accordance with His will. That He has ordained these right from the beginning. And that's part of how people would know how they would know God and understand what He was trying to communicate to them. And so uh, those seasons were, were for uh, specific times for those feasts and, and those kinds of things. We can also misunderstand when it talks about how they are intended for signs. This isn't speaking about uh, the zodiac signs of us to be able to... to uh, foretell the future or to uh, to have an influence on on the the different personalities of people as they are born in different times under different signs and those kinds of things the signs that are being speak the, the way that that the word is being used here are maybe better would be to to be proofs that that these were things that that god had given that was proving who he was uh, or, or to establish a covenant that he had made with somebody. Um, and so we can see it being used uh, all different kinds of, uh, of ways. That word signs uh, in Genesis 4 uh, verse 15. God put a sign on Cain so that nobody would murder him. So that nobody would take his life after he had been uh, guilty of, of killing his brother. God had put that same word, a sign, on him. Uh, after the flood, God had put a rainbow in the sky as a sign of the covenant that God had made with humanity through Noah. God gave Abram a, a sign of circumcision for the family so that they would be, be set apart, that they would be recognized as part of God's chosen people as, as living under the covenant that God had established with them. 
And God gave signs for Moses to be able to show Pharaoh that, that Yahweh alone is God. Uh, there was the lamb's blood that they painted on the lintels uh, during the Passover that was given as a sign that they were part of God's chosen people. And so um, God passed over those houses um, as he was uh, 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 bringing judgment on the land of, of Egypt. Uh, the phylacteries on the forehead and on the hands were given as a sign of the law, the, the actual written law that was there to remind the people of their covenant with God and their, their need to follow uh, the law that had been laid down. You could continue on. Each one of the tribes of Israel, uh, when they came to camp as they were wandering through the wilderness, each, each tribe would have a banner that would be a sign for them, of where it was that that part of the tribe of, of Israel would camp. Um, uh, in, in Joshua, Rahab asks for a sign from the spies that went into Jericho that, that they would indeed save her and her whole family. Gideon asks for a sign that it was Yahweh who was speaking with him. So this is not some astrology or anything like that that is being encouraged here. In fact, throughout the rest of Scripture, we are discouraged from looking to the stars uh, to tell us the future or to, to honor or to worship the stars or the heavenly bodies in any kinds of way. We, we have those, uh, those uh, commandments, those laws set down for us in Deuteronomy. In Isaiah, he, he mocks people who would, who would try and... and follow the prophecies that were given through those that would read the stars because uh, the stars don't speak any of that kind of information. They are only there to be used of by God to be able to, to, uh, to prove His divinity, to prove His faithfulness, to prove His uh, continued blessing on His people and not to be worshipped. So there are a number of examples throughout uh, both the Old and the New Testament, of, of how heavenly bodies have been used as signs. Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, God is meeting with Abram and, and, and promising that he would make him this great nation. And he said, God brought Abram outside and he said, look towards the heaven and count the number of stars if you are able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And that's a theme that then is repeated, a, a memory that, that, that the, the people of Israel uh, use over and over and over again to be able to establish and, and remember the promise that God had given His people that, that Abraham's descendants would be as numerous as the stars that are in the heaven. That was a sign that God had given them to show His faithfulness. Um, in Numbers, Numbers chapter 24, uh, this is part of the, uh, uh, the Balaam prophecies. Balaam, uh, you remember, was a, uh, a pagan uh, fortune teller and, and uh, some of the enemies of, of Israel called him to come and bring a curse on Israel as they were coming into the promised land. And, and, and when Balaam opened up his mouth to curse God filled his mouth with blessings. And it was part of that that we have this prophecy 
um, that we read in, in Numbers 24, verse 17. It says, A star shall rise out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. That's likely the very same uh, a star that, or prophecy that, that the Magi's had read when they said uh, at, at the time of Jesus when they came to, to Jerusalem and said, we have seen his star, Jesus' star in the east, and we have come to worship him. They were likely pointing back to that particular passage, that promise that out of Jacob, a star will rise, a scepter will rise out of, out of Israel. When Joshua was fighting the Amalekites, he prayed and, and asked that, that, that God, that, that the sun would stand still and the moon would stop. And the promise was there in Joshua 10, that, or, or, or the, the response of that, that, that God did indeed stop the sun in the middle of the sky and it delayed going down for about a day. How did that happen? <laughs> I don't understand that. But we have to, uh, the promise that is there, that, that the very same God who created all those stars, who created this earth, was also able to, I, I think, maybe, probably, stop the earth on its axis so that it remained in one position for a full day while Joshua and the rest of the Israelites were able to overcome their enemies and, and uh, uh, destroy them completely. Um, an amazing miracle. In, in Luke chapter 21, um, Jesus says, There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars at the coming of the Son of Man. Uh, that, that, that there will be indications that that, that, things, that, that things are about to change, that the Son of Man is about to return and to re receive his, his own for, to Himself. Uh, in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, uh, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give off its light, and the stars will fall from the skies, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. So, so there will be signs that God will be using in the heavens that will declare for us the end of days when we can know that the Son of Man is returning, when we can prepare ourselves to, to be caught up with Him in the air at His returning, at the end of that uh, terrible tribulation. Revelation 6.12 says, I looked and He broke the sixth seal and, and there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair and the whole moon became like blood. Again, these are are signs that God is going to be putting in the heavens that will help us know that, that He is completing His purpose, His will, that He is accomplishing all of those things that He said. And these signs will be given to us so that we can be prepared, so that we can know uh, to, to focus our attention, to look for His coming as He, as he, as he returns to, to gather His people to Himself. So God put these lights in the sky for us to be able to, to, to receive the light that we need, that energy that we need for life, to be able to, to detail days and, and months and years 
for ourselves, to be able to, uh, to recognize the, the, appro- the appointed times and seasons that God was accomplishing His purposes in our lives, uh, that they were given there for us to be able to, to understand and, and see the proof of His majesty, of His, uh, of his power, um, that, that we would be able to have those signs of, of His purposes being accomplished. See, God, God gave us these signs so that we could know Him. I mean, have you ever been out in the dark of night and looked up and seen the vastness of space? Like, doesn't, it just overwhelms you. The beauty of those lights, those that, that God has created. And, and that's, those are some of the, uh, the times when I have felt closest to God. When I, when I hear God speaking, is in recognizing His great power that He has, uh, that he has uh, exhibited in creating all of that. Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day after day, it pours out speech, and night after night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, no whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes throughout all of the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them He has set a tent for the sun. And that's why I've said over and over again, we don't need to be afraid of investigating the heavens, the things that God has created. Instead, we as as followers of Jesus need to be uh, some of the most vocal in, in, in the most vocal and the most curious in being able to understand what God has created. Because His promise to us is that we understand that. We will understand His plans and purposes more clearly. We will understand Him more keenly in our investigation of the world that there is around us. Romans chapter 1 says, For for what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power, His divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. God is there to be known. He's not hiding Himself. God is there to be known by you. It's not even something that is just uh, set aside for a select few in this world. But He's revealed Himself clearly in what He has made uh, for all to see. Are you listening? Are you hearing what he has to say to you? We're going to sing a song here in a little bit that 
It's called the Revelation Song. And it's, it is a, a song of, of worship and adoration for uh, a mighty God who sacrificed His Son to rescue us. To save us from our sins. And how He has revealed Himself as the worthy Lamb that was slain. It is through that Lamb that God is revealing Himself most keenly to us. And where you have an opportunity of knowing Him personally, yourself. That you are invited into relationship because of what He has done on your behalf. As we sing this song, let me encourage you to lift up your eyes to the heavens. To see all that God has made and allow your heart to be lifted high in adoration and praise of this great God who who has such power, who has such uh, wisdom, who has who has such such truth and such assurance in our lives and loves us enough to sacrifice himself for you so that you can have life and have a relationship with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son. I thank you for your love for us that is exhibited in the beauty and the vastness of all that you have created. In the sights, in the sounds, in the smells, in the textures of what it is that you have created. But more importantly, than in the love that you have shown us through the sacrifice of your Son. Lord, we just don't deserve that kind of grace in our lives. And yet, eagerly, we would receive that through faith. That gift that you are offering to each one. That we can know you, that we can walk with you, that we can see you in the world that you have created, in the universe that you have spread out before us. And this morning, with with all of the angels of heaven and all of the saints that have gone before us, we lift lift up our hearts to sing, Worthy, worthy are you, the Lamb who was slain. What a mighty God. What a glorious Savior. What a wonderful friend. Thank you. Amen.